This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Powder Blue podcast. I'm Frank Close, coming to you from Clearwater, Florida this time, but... Down in cold South Jersey is Hunter Brody. What's up, Hunter? What's going on? I'm sure the weather there is nice. <laughs> and back from vacation, the one and only Jeff Mosher. Yes, I was on a long, long vacation. It was, uh, it's amazing. I was uh, with the palm trees and the ocean and the Caribbean. Uh, you know, the whole two days I was in the Poconos. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, last week I had to make fun of Jeff. Perhaps I went a little too far. So no, uh, I, no, I, no, no. I mean, once the no. segment seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was being all uh, – he was being all nice, sharing the show. I thought he heard it and didn't have a problem with it. But then, like, you know, four days later he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, but but a busy week because this is really the first week that we had a full week's worth of games down in Clearwater, Florida, as things are starting to starting to come together just a little bit. Uh, so at this point, every starter has one time through the rotation, if not two or or 1.5 if you consider a simulated game. Uh, so uh, why don't we start with that? So we'll start with the starting rotation. Uh, so, so today we saw uh, we're recording this on Sunday, so we'll give you our our best guesstimate as to uh, to where we're at right now. But uh, we had two two games going on. Uh, one of them was a simulated game, right? So if, uh, that that is a thing down in, in spring training where um, the pitchers or or batters will face uh, minor leaguers, and, and Jake Arrieta made his second start uh, in front of uh, the simulation. And uh, at the big league camp, Ranger Suarez pitched two innings. He took a took a hard luck loss uh, that he didn't necessarily deserve, giving up no earned runs. Uh, but he has his zero ERA and uh, took a loss. And then yesterday, Zach Wheeler made his debut, giving up a couple runs. So, uh, and then of course on Friday, Aaron Nola looked very good. He struck out six. They're the only six outs he got before giving up a few weak hits that ended up leading to some runs. But uh, so at this point in, in spring training, uh, why don't we start with you, Jeff? So how, what do you need to see from your starting pitchers really in basically start two to, to, to wonder if they are on track or not? Yeah, that's a good question, Frank. Like, you know, it's still to me early. I mean, I still want guys working on their stuff. So if Zach Wheeler, for example, goes out in his next start and – you know, he's trying to work on the changeup of the curveball. His fastball to me is is always going to be fine. It's it's one of the best ones in in the league. 
Um, he's constantly over in around 97, if not more. So if he wants to work up work on the changeup a little bit and he gets hit hard, I'm not going to sit there and start worrying about his 2020 season and whether or not he's going to be able to effectively throw his changeup. I mean, the way he throws his fastball, all he needs is kind of a decent changeup anyway. So, uh, but I do think that, you know, almost, I, I hate to say be cliche, but I'd like to kind of just make sure guys stay healthy. You know, I mean, whether it's Arietta, whether it's, uh, you know, someone who's been healthy like Nola, you don't want to see them incur an injury. You just want these guys to be able to get their work in. Now, it's funny you say that because last spring trading, kind of the strategy of pitching coach Chris Young and manager Gabe Kapler was to not start the starters in the first couple of weeks of action. So this time last year, we saw Cole Irvin, we saw... Uh, Eniel De Los Santos. Uh, we saw Ranger Suarez, who who is not really supposed to be part of the conversation yet. More on him in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, the starters are actually pitching. So, um, do do you think that maybe last year's strategy made a little bit more sense to kind of hold them back a while, or would you rather see these guys throwing, Jeff? I think I'd just rather see him throwing. To be honest with you, I think most of the guys that the Phillies are throwing out um, that we're going to be relying on early, you know, safer. Spencer Howard, when we're talking about Arietta, when we're talking about Nola, when we're talking about Wheeler, and even the Pavettas and the Eflins of the world, this isn't their first or second rodeo. Uh, generally, these guys know how to take care of themselves, and they generally know uh, what they need to do to get in the right shape, and they have a plan, and they want to go about executing their plan. I kind of don't like when the coaching staff micromanages and tries to maybe do something that might differentiate from their plan. So I'm kind of happy that Girardi's treating them like grown men, and it's spring training. It's, you know, we're a couple weeks in now. Go and get your work. So, Hunter, there are about four starters that seem to be locked into spots. And those, of course, are Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Jake Arietta, and Zach Eflin. So what do you want to see out of them, Hunter, in this early going when perhaps the wins and losses don't matter and they're going maybe two or three innings tops? Hunter yeah. doesn't even want to see those guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of with Moshe. I think it's it's important to keep these guys healthy, and I definitely want them rocking and rolling for the start of the season. Now, I do find this interesting, though. When Nick Pavetta has a bad start in spring training, I, I get on Nick Pavetta a little bit. When Zach Wheeler and Nola, you know, let up some hits or whatnot, ah, it's just spring training. So I guess my bias might come into play. Well, it's funny you say that. I kind of put Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez, and Ranger Suarez into different categories because um, all three of them are, are essentially fighting for, for one job or perhaps fighting for a, a spot in the bullpen. So let's talk about those three for a second. And what do you want to see from these players now? Uh, now, it's very early in the competition. The Phillies don't need to make any decisions. Uh, today's only March 1st as we record this. And then there's three weeks plus before they – they head down to – well, I guess they really have to head over to Miami to start the season. Uh, but but what do you want to see right now from these young guys, Hunter? I guess it's so hard to really come up with an answer just because it, it is spring training. And if we see these reports and we see Nick Pavetta working on other pitches that are supposed to help him out in the regular season and he struggles with that pitch right now, like how much – criticism am I really going to give him as as much as I joke around and maybe a little bit I will be harsh on him but I I don't know it's so hard because it's it's almost as if this is just them getting their feet wet more than just say in practice so where do we draw the line on we got to harshly look at what they're doing out on the field and hey they're just getting their feet wet you know but I would say to that I want to see 
of all the guys that were mentioned by Frank, I would like to see Ranger Suarez just dominate, like from start to finish, because I want him. I guess I'm more of a. This is the first time you'll ever hear me say this. I'm I'm a Ranger fan. Uh, I am more of a Ranger fan at this point than say a Pavetta for obvious reasons and Velasquez for obvious reasons. But I don't see you know Zach Uffin right now is the four. Jake Arrieta is the three. You hope Jake Arrieta is the healthy Jake Arrieta. He's a fine three if possible. But what's to stop Ranger Suarez if he dominates from start to finish in training camp from taking that into the season and maybe even being a four or at least pitching like a three or four, because this was a guy who two years ago was a prospect, a Phillies pitching prospect. And honestly, since the uh, Clintac and McPhail regime took over, they haven't developed very many pitching prospects. So it would be nice to see Suarez who struggled at the triple a level last year, but did well, as we mentioned uh, in the pod uh, when he came up to the majors, I would just like to see him kind of take over because how much more of the Paletta, uh, I'm sorry, the Pavetta, Avalazquez, Eflin Trio are we going to kind of jockey around? Uh, this kid's young. He's left-handed. I'd love to see him dominate. And funny you say that. So of all the starters, as of us recording this here on, now we won't get the results of the Monday night game down in Northport against the Atlanta Braves, but as of this point, the starter that has gone the deepest so far in spring training action is Ranger Suarez. He is the only one to have hit the three-inning mark. So normally what happens at spring training at this time, you, you, hopefully the, the starting pitcher throws his two innings, and then they usually have a guy from the minor league camp ready to finish out inning three in case they need, need some help. And so far, only Ranger Suarez has done so zero earned runs to this point, but can, can you put a lot of stock into that? Because uh, the, you, you're facing a lot of lineups that don't have a lot of key players. Uh, kind of the rule for, for heading on the road is you, you bring four major leaguers, you know, if you're going to put in your lineup because you, you know, they, they don't want you to totally tank the road spring training games, even though um, to today from Sarasota, which isn't that far, but uh, you really only had a, a small handful of, of regulars come up. Uh, so, so how much stock can you put into to that? When we talk about him dominating, is no earned runs after five spring training innings domination enough, Jeff? I mean, it's it, Hunter's right. You can't put stock per se in anything that you see in the first two or three weeks of camp. And and there's a school of thought that you can't put stock in anything you see in all of spring training. But if you're going to ask me what I would rather see, uh, Ranger Suarez getting his rear end kicked in. You know, from from start to finish, where Ranger Suarez dominating, of course, I think we'd all rather see him dominating. And and as much as it doesn't matter, God, we say that about all the training camps, NFL, uh, everything. As much as it doesn't matter, the guys who tend to pitch really well, or the guys who tend to hit really well in spring training, tend to make the roster and get that chance over somebody who struggles, who has to be sent to AAA first. So if if we're gonna be if we're going to look at the bright side here, guys, I think you just want as many good outings from Swall. You want as many good outings from Wall, but at this point, I feel like I'm ready to go put my and invest my emotion in somebody new other than what we've already seen before. Okay, that's, so, so yeah, that's that- fair. That's fair. I was just going to say, I feel as if, you know, th- just the fact that we're having this conversation it hurts me inside. Like, we are talking about Ranger Suarez <laughs> trying to beat out Nick Pavetta. And I hate to be the negative guy, but that just hurts me inside. Like, it should have not even been to this point entering this season. 
Suarez was like a, a, a right Frank. I mean, he was a decent prospect two years ago. I mean, he was a high prospect two years he, ago. He wasn't that high. Well, I, I mean, can say high, yeah, but I thought they, was, they had faith in him. In 2018, he was number 15 of their top 30 prospects. So he mm-hmm. was not he was not neglected, but at the same time, he wasn't like where he was a top five and you had high expectations for him. So, uh, but but he really was pretty good in 2018. Uh, you know, uh, in 2018, it looks like he had a 2.76 ERA in 75 double A innings, and then a .57 ERA in 15 innings at Triple A. So he's been uh, he was someone that was in trade rumors at the time. Uh, so he's not totally off the radar, but was not a a well, you know one of those people that you thought had to be a can't miss prospect or something like that. Now, Hunter, I want to ask you this: you you mentioned you're kind of tired of Nick Pavetta, or we might say, you know, we've Maybe this is this is many years in the coming where we sort of know what Vince Velasquez is. Well, what do you think about the change in regime? Are are, are either Velasquez or Pavetta going to have any sort of cachet carrying over from previous years, or does this have to be whatever Joe Girardi and Brian Price see this spring is going to be what the decisions made on? Or do you think there's expectations from the past? That's an interesting question. I I guess I just feel more optimistic than I ever have before when it came to these guys just because the mentality of Price and Girardi just changes everything. Like Knowing that their presence is in the clubhouse, it might have them more focused and more at a different level entering the season, knowing that there's a, a very respected manager and pitching coach in the mix. So maybe just knowing that it's they, they have to perform or they're going to be screwed because this manager isn't going to play around like Gabe Kapler did, that that will change the way that they enter in the season. But but other than that, I mean, you know, the, I, what what I'm not going to say pisses me off, but I guess just raises my eyebrows a bit. This was way before spring training even started. Joe Girardi talked to the media, and he mentioned Nick Pavetta as someone that really intrigues him the most. So maybe that's why I'm feeling more optimistic on him than anyone else. So what do you think, Jeff? Is there an actual carryover from the guys that haven't seen them, or will Girardi and Price just flat out look at the three candidates and decide who pitched the best? It's a good good question, and I... I probably haven't thought about it till now and, and hearing Hunter say and you guys talk about the new regime because sometimes I I think you know it's we're not talking about a guy who's two or three years in we're talking about Vince Velasquez who's basically been uh, or a Pavetta right who who have either been up and down or Velasquez has been the same guy for the last four or five years I think with Pavetta because he's still younger my issue with him isn't really the stuff it's I always feel like the stuff is good, but he nibbles and then loses his composure on the mound, and that's what leads to him, his stuff unraveling. If by working with Brian Price, who is a respected pitching coach, probably more so, well, definitely more so, and then more more proven and more of a resume than Chris Young, if him and Joe Girardi and the professional approach that they take and the standard that they set somehow – seeps into the approach by Pavetta, right? And he improves his mound composure and he stops the nibbling and some of the adjustments that we've seen to make mechanically sink in. I start to talk myself into thinking maybe we can get the Nick Pavetta that we were supposed to get, everybody was waiting to get last year. Now, some of those 
Cy Young Award prediction breakout candidates might have been a little bit overboard. I mean, very. Now you look at it in the past, but I, I, I guess I can. I see. I'm trying not to do this, where I rationalize why Nick Pavetta is going to be different this year or better and improved, because I, I should be. I'll, I'll, you know, when I see it, I'll believe it. But when you bring it up in that context of your, your manager and your pitching coach and what they're bringing compared to the past guys. I think it's fair to have some kind of optimism that maybe this will all sink into Pavetta and you'll get what you want to get. So I got a question for you, since Pavetta seems to be the one that's getting a lot of our attention in this discussion. <laughs> you know, some criticisms I've heard of him is is that it's between his ears. You know, I think I think a lot of people think that he's got the natural ability, but one thing I've heard this this spring so far is that he's kind of walking around like he's an accomplished veteran, not somebody who should be a little bit more humble, perhaps. Or like, you know, is that edge good that the guy's coming in like sort of acting like he belongs? Or do you want to see somebody perhaps be a little bit more humble and just kind of make all the difference on the field? I think that's uh, I, I think there needs to be a line. Like, if you're way too confident and you kind of come off way too strong, it's almost as if, you know, yo, dude, calm it down a little bit. Who do you think you are? But with that being said, I think you need some sort of edge because that just shows you're competitive or you have that that fire, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that guy. So you got to find the the right mix of both. You you talk about in between the years, and when I think about in between the years and Nick Pavetta, it's more just when things go wrong in a game, he right. really starts to fall apart, and you can see that on the mound. It's almost as if, realistically, he was me when I was seven in Little League, and I was pissed off with the umpire, and I start to pout, <laughs> and I hear my mom in the stands tell me to relax. You know, it's like I'm a little kid out there. That's what Nick Pavetta is like, a little kid out there. But that also seems to be more than something that just happens between the white lines, right? Because you know when he was sent down or when he was taken out of the, the rotation i mean he wasn't like under he was he was not expressing a sentiment like i'm gonna get back in there i understand why they're doing this he almost seemed to pout about it and it may it led me to wonder if this is just nick pavetta if, the, if this is a guy who unravels both on the mound but you know as whenever he encounters some kind of adversity that his reaction is to be sulky about it instead of proving everybody wrong uh, so, so in terms of Nick Pavetta, then, do you think his demotion might have had more to do with his attitude or was it simply about his play? Because when you look at his numbers, I mean, they weren't that far off from others. And in terms of his play on the field, he showed some signs of brilliance. So do you think that was a message they were trying to send him last year? And if he does not really learn from that message, then do they have anything left that they can do with him? Hold on, timeout. Can I can I just interject here and say, do we actually know what messages were being sent, communicated, and received last year? I mean, that's a whole new level of question asking right there, man. <laughs> well, you know, you know you're, 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 Hernandez if he understands how to get the message from <laughs> uh, from, from Gabe Kapler. So I don't know. No, I, but I mean, I'm joking, but I'm serious. Like, I really don't understand the way the past regime, Gabe Kapler, was trying to send messages. So, um. Your guess is as good as mine on that. Well, I guess that kind of relates to the conversation we just had a little bit ago about Joe Girardi and Price. Is that going to change everything? And it kind of goes full circle with, I, I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah, so so I, I think that's that's a great, great, 
great discussion because certainly the disconnect between Cesar Hernandez and the manager were, were a little different last year. And, you know, you ask, you ask a reporter, asks uh, Gabe Kapler, and he says one thing, and then you talk to the player, he says something completely different. So so the, that maybe that does make a difference. Maybe, uh, maybe if there were um, sort of some sort of messages trying to be sent to players through a demotion, maybe you didn't hear it. Uh, or maybe he didn't take it the way that they expected him to take it. So uh, one thing about Joe Girardi is people generally see him as a great communicator and doesn't seem like he's somebody. Uh, you know, for me, I guess I guess I what I got from Gabe Kapler a lot was a little bit of legalese more so than when you when you listen to Girardi, you feel like you get a straight shooter if that, if that makes any sense. So so maybe that will indeed make a difference. Now uh, we're spending a lot of time on on. Nick Pavetta, but let's talk uh, Vince Velasquez for a second because he has not gotten a lot of our attention so far. So, what what about Velasquez? What what could he possibly do this year that he hasn't done in the past? Or is there anything he can do to sort of differentiate twenty twenty from his other seasons? What do you think about that, Jeff? What could he possibly do this year that he hasn't done in the past? I don't know. See the eighth inning, <laughs> the seventh inning. <laughs> Throw six innings and fewer than 85 pitches? Well, that's why I always feel like his best bet is maybe to be a bullpen guy because once once he's through the rotation two times or once he's through the lineup two times, I mean, he's just screwed. He's absolutely screwed. I still wonder about that even. I really – you know, some guys just don't have good roles. You know, uh, the last thing you want is a guy coming in to a 3-3 game in the seventh and then – you know, putting two guys on base because he just doesn't have his control that day and he can't put guy or he's always trying to put guys away and throwing wild. So, I mean, luckily they have Real Muto behind the plate, but I've thought about that a lot and I'm just not sure with the abundance of pitches that he throws. I can see games where he comes in and he's that guy where he gets the guys out and then you're, you're right. Great. You give us two innings. Thanks. But I could also see the games where he comes in and he just can't find the zone and he's out of the game with guys on before he even got anybody out. And then this year is a little bit different because you have to stay for three batters. So uh, right. does that change your perspective, Hunter, on, on what you might do with the Pavetta or Velasquez? Yeah, it's going to have to. I mean, more – well, I was going to say it would probably change my outlook on Velasquez more than it would Pavetta. But, you know, it's probably – it's, it's going to be a major change, a major shakeup for every team in every bullpen. And you're going to look at lefty specialists. Now, Adam Morgan, not to get too sidetracked off Velasquez and – you know, Pavetta, but I'm just thinking about the lefty specialist as a whole now with the three batter rule and someone like Adam Morgan, he I think last year deserves more than just a, a lefty specialist role. I thought he did a good job while he was out there, but I know it kind of just went over my head until the season probably begins and then I'll start thinking about it a lot more. It's nothing I really even it's not something I really thought about yet. Is is how about you guys? Did, well, I did tell it you, cross your mind? Uh, you mentioned Adam Morgan, you know, 143 batting average facing lefties, but then righties 224. I mean, it's 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 uh, worse, but it's not bad at all. <laughs> you know, so so Morgan might be the kind of guy that can stick around a little bit, but um but but you know, when you consider Velasquez as being one of those guys that that's going to have to come in and uh, again if he doesn't make the starter role uh, can he see the right guy to come in for for three batters, or, or does he need to start a clean inning? What would you think about that, Jeff? I would hate to bring Velasquez in with runners already on base. <laughs> I, I just, and that's why I say it's almost like his best role to me is a starting pitcher. But unfortunately, I, you know what? If if he was the fifth starter, 
I think you could live with it. Or listen, I think maybe the Phillies need to adopt some progressive. Uh, I know this is hard to say in the post Gabe Kapler era, but even more progressive methods with their pitching staff in light of the fact that they don't have a lot of talent and maybe have rotational, um, you know, like the, like Tampa Bay had, had what they called uh, the openers, right? They had relievers start every fifth game, but maybe Velazquez starts is your fifth starter one week. And then it's Pavetta the next, uh, depending on the matchup. I, I, I don't know, but I really, if, if Velazquez could be your fifth starter, and you can work, especially in those first months when you have days off where you don't need a fifth starter, then I suppose you're all right. The problem is that Vince has sometimes had to be your second, third, or fourth starter. Well, that certainly won't happen this year. And that wraps up Are you our sure? first segment. Oh, that's, <laughs> well, that, that's, that's time for us to conclude our first segment. So that'll be something we're definitely watching throughout this season. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN, sportstalkphilly.com. This is the Powder Blue podcast. Frank Close alongside Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody, although the two of them are in South Jersey. And how, how, how warm is it there today, guys? It was actually kind of nice. It's not bad, Frank. Yeah, it's kind of uh, nice. It's going to yeah. be 60 degrees Monday and Tuesday. That's what you get. <laughs> well, well, it's 72 and sunny here in Clearwater today as I watch the Phillies take on the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I, you know, I, I know that it was kind of cold everywhere uh, over the weekend, but um, but today, very, very nice day. The warm weather coming back, and, and, and I don't mean to totally um, – I'll say rain on your, your parade in South Jersey, but uh, um, I'm definitely enjoying the weather here. So I'm going to enjoy a couple of, couple of 80-degree uh, days of weather the next couple of days here with some more Philadelphia Phillies baseball. So uh, where we left off, we were talking about the starting rotation, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the bullpen because that is something I can't figure out. So Hector Neris made his first appearance of the spring on Friday, finally got some work in. Uh, Maybe they were holding him back, not because for any other reason other than perhaps they have so many guys to see. (laughs) Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez makes his return to a mound today. He pitched in a simulated game today being Sunday for those of you listening in a later date. And uh, Tommy Hunter still has not taken the mound. So right now we, we tend, if I can sort of take a step back and try to make a list of, of people that we can count on to be in this Phillies bullpen, Hector Neris, who's healthy. Jose Alvarez pitched well last year. Number, he's the second name I can count on. But beyond that, now Adam Morgan might be 2A or, or 3 or somewhere in there, but Adam Morgan finished last year on the disabled list, so we don't really know much about him. So who's in this Phillies bullpen, Jeff? <laughs> Beats me. I don't even like <laughs> the guys who – I don't even love the guys who are definitely going to be in it. I mean, I'm – I'm on record. I'm not a big Hector Neris fan, but I recognize that he's probably best suited for the role because they just don't have anybody better right now to be a closer. Um, I, I wonder this. What, what role at all um, is Adonis Medina going to have this year, Frank? I mean, is is there anything he can prove in training camp, or does he just have to have a lot more work in, in the minor leagues? Well, Medina hasn't really pitched much in the – I guess if your your question is, could he be a reliever for this Phillies team? I don't think they want to go that way yet. Right. I think they want him to be a triple-A and, and hopefully 
be somebody who could help if you need to go grab somebody. But I'm surprised. I thought he'd be a good trade piece for them right now. So uh, mm-hmm. the he's still here getting into AAA. Um, he's probably going to have to go there and, and probably pitch in the rotation. I do not think that they'll, they'll, they'll try to stash him as anything but but a, a starter. I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll try to work him into a reliever, at least not yet. Right. Well, I find myself secretly rooting. I'm not secretly, openly just hoping that Liriano really shows that he still got it this spring. Uh, just because, and, and again, I think there's some of this new blood element that I think that the Phillies could use. And I tend to trust players who have been developed by other franchises that come to the Phillies, ex- other than the, the the arms that the Phillies have tried to develop throughout the years. Uh, you know, the one question I have is the kid uh, uh, Parker, right? From that they got last year after Blake, the Twins, Blake, Blake Parker. Parker. Uh, he pitched well when he came over, but sometimes you see that, right? I've, there's a, this credo in baseball that never believe what you see in April and October, right? And I, so I don't really know, especially from pitchers and, and the hitters who get called up. I don't know if, if it's rational or reasonable to expect that he's going to come in and be a st- stabilizing figure in this bullpen. I don't know that they're actually really counting on him, uh, Hunter. Is he, he's kind of low on the – well, how about this, guys? How about I run through the list of names that are candidates for the Phillies bullpen right now, okay? So mm-hmm. first let's start with the 40-man roster. Jose Alvarez, Victor Arano, Austin Davis, Daniel De Los Santos, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Edgar Garcia, Deola Guerra, Tommy Hunter, Cole Irvin, Reggie McLean, Adam Morgan, Hector Neris, and then uh, David Robertson, of course, going to be on the 40-day injured list. Robert Stock. All right, now that's just 40-man roster names of people that have a shot at this bullpen, right? So including some of the guys they picked up. And then if I look on the non-roster side of things, Damon Jones, you could be hearing more about him later, but um, he could, I suppose he could be an impact in this Phillies bullpen this year at some point, but also Trevor Kelly, Francisco Liriano, Bud Norris, Blake Parker, Drew Storin, Anthony Swarzak. That's a lot of names from which to to pull a bullpen. How do you begin to do that? It almost feels like some of the non-roster guys, you'd rather see than some of the guys on the 40-man, to be honest with you. I mean, Daniel De Los Santos is the world. What's and then that? on top of that, you need two of Suarez or Velasquez or Pavetta, depending on how that works out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just want to jump in right here and say, for the second time now, we are going to go full circle with another conversation we had and say, <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. I mean, right. it's, it is a pathetic conversation <laughs> that we're having that should have been dealt with in the offseason. No? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, Hunter. I mean, there's still Hunter? hope. They're yeah, trying to sell hope, right? On on like a Sir Anthony Dominguez and you know Morgan and Hunter come back and they're what they're supposed to be. I do really like Arano. I'm I can't hold on. Sorry, I like Arano. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got some potential. Um, I think he can get righties and lefties out. I haven't looked at the splits. It just in my in my mind, I feel like he's one of the few guys that you can use in in both situations. So, but I mean, again, you know, Drew Storen, Liriano. Parker to an extent, those are guys who've proven that they can get out to 
in the major leagues at times. So you almost think that the non-roster guys look better than the 40-man guys. Well, Arano has not thrown a pitch yet this spring. Neither has Tommy Hunter. Both of them, of course, on major league deals at this point in their careers. So, uh, so, so, uh, so let's let's try to make a list here. I don't even know how to make a list. So, if if, if you're going to go with an eight man bullpen, and you have Alvarez, Morgan is probably there. Neris, who's who's the next one on that list then that you can, can right can now it count be on? Sir Anthony Dominguez, yeah. Is, is he going to be ready? Do we know that? Now, today he threw as part of that simulated game on the minor league side of things. And, uh, you know, there they're not really paying attention to the numbers and, and they don't really play real games there. Like So so someone can come bat every inning if they want. You know, <laughs> that's, that's usually how they, uh, they do these things here. I, I did see a little bit of the game. I saw a little bit of Jake Arrieta pitching to Andrew Knapp, who was catching, by the way. So Knapp looks like he's on the rebound as well. Uh, but... But is is he going to be healthy? Like that, that 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 his elbow just scares the heck out of me. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, I I got I got to admit that I had um, some pretty high hopes for for Sir Anthony Dominguez, and when I saw that Luis Severino was going to miss wow. the entire year Cor- for the correct. Yankees, I got a little scared. I got a little nervous about it. So um, I I don't know what kind of thought I'm supposed to have other than. Cross your fingers, hold your breath. Yeah, I, the Phillies are doing the right thing, kind of easing him back in. I like that he did a simulated game; that they're not just trying to get him back on the mound. But I think all three of us will be will have bated breath for pretty much most of the spring as he starts to throw, and maybe even into the regular season. You know, so Tanaka Tanaka was able to overcome it. He didn't have the surgery; he's been all right. But uh, without knowing, you know, what his elbow feels like, I'm I'm nervous. So, so what do you think, Hunter? Who's your who's the next reliable arm that you can say he's going to be in this bullpen beyond those first few names? I, I don't think we have one. I really don't think we have one. And I date back the last offseason, and I'm thinking about how much more comfortable I felt with the bullpen last season because I assumed hmm. it would be a Sir Anthony Dominguez in the seventh, a David Robertson in the eighth, and then a Hector in the ninth. Or you could flip-flop Hector and, and David Robertson, whatever the case may be. But – I, I don't know the answer, and that's kind of concerning to me. And don't Apparently, forget, at this time last year, Pat Neshek was also considered like kind of true. a valuable arm to have. Yes. Until he went, you know, bonkers. Yeah, not in not in the games right now, actually. Nobody's really brought him into camp, which is Yeah, I can't, well, can't understand why. Imagine why not. He's such a, <laughs> a nice, pleasant guy who always wants to get the ball. He's the worst. He needs seven <laughs> days rest after a half an inning. I yeah. mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, that reminds me, without Pat Neshek in camp, this is the first time in my lifetime that nobody on the Phillies <laughs> spring training camp is older than I am. So, <laughs> well, now I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Last year there was, I mean, there was more than one circumstance where this happened, but there was one specific one with Gabe Kapler where he just did not have any available arms at all, and one of them was Pat Neshek, who didn't pitch for like five games, but he just wasn't available, and he had to throw uh, maybe even Roman Quinn or something. If I'm just spitballing off of my head, and I just couldn't believe it. Pat Neshek is such Aaron a joke. Altair pitch, Sean Rodriguez pitch, Roman. <laughs> pitch there are actually the new rules don't really allow for that you have to have somebody listed as a two-way player for them to make an appearance as a pitcher so uh so there, there will not be utility infielders pitching like there were last year <laughs> unless you're the reds and you have mike lorenzen yeah you might if you can you know i i, I say put vince velasquez as a two-way player you know but <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, why not? You, you, you oh, yeah. some, I think Vince Velasquez. See, I actually like Vince Velasquez. I, I, the question will be if, if they're going to put him in a bullpen role, when, when are they just going to do it and commit to it? You know, I remember last year he got sent to the bullpen, and then like a week later he was all of a sudden starting again. Oh, well, he's just the opener. Well, then next thing you know, he's in the rotation permanently again. So, well, that's uh, what happens when you have a rash of injuries in your rotation and you just have nothing else to – no other options. Now, I mean, could that happen again? Or, or you know, my, my worry with this starter competition is if – it seems clear – based upon this conversation, they know that one of Velasquez or Pavetta uh, or Suarez is going to be in this bullpen. So when do you get to the point where you make the decision that this is my bullpen guy, let, let's see what he can do for, for this team and, and really try to establish a role for him. I think they don't do that because they're trying to keep him motivated almost. Like, hey, if you work hard, if you do well, you will see that starter role. At least that's how it was with Gabe Kapler almost. Because, you know, Gabe, I feel like he's someone who doesn't want to put anyone down. So it's always an optimistic view. So, hey, if you work your ass off, you're going to find yourself back in the starting rotation. Where with Joe Girardi, maybe it's different. Maybe he legitimately comes out and says, this is how it's going to be. But that doesn't mean you don't pitch well the way he presents it it fires him up well good Frank (laughs) I was gonna say the one thing with Girardi right and it's hard to judge because obviously with the Yankees he had an endless payroll and a great culture and who knows here but if you were to take Joe Girardi and you say if you took away the money and the the Yankee culture and say what was his definable strength as a manager for the Yankees that didn't have anything to do with money per se, you would say he handled his bullpen really, really well. And, you know, I, I was not a Gabe Kapler hater, but you brought you guys brought up that time where seven guys had to pitch and Nishak is sitting there, you know, on all that rest and everything. And he couldn't go for whatever reason. And it's, it's just never seemed like the bullpen was either handled correctly or had the right mindset or whatever you want to, label you want to attach to it. So if there's any major positive that you can quantify the the difference between having Gabe and Joe as your manager, I would really hope that it's in the management of the bullpen. Well, the funny thing is, you know, last year and they would they would say, well, we don't know our roles, but to me watching the games every day, I I kind of always knew who Gabe was going to go to. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't understand how the players couldn't have thought, okay, well, I'm the lefty to come in in the seventh inning or later, depending on this matchup. Or like if if I can watch the games and see the matchups, I never totally understood why the bullpen arms couldn't watch the games and equally kind of know when it was their turn. So, uh, but definitely a, a change of pace here under under Joe Girardi. Uh, you know, he's always been pretty purposeful with his bullpen management, and he does kind of amp them up later in the season. So, uh, I just what I just want to know is. Can someone like him, and I don't know why anybody else hasn't done it, just say to Vince Velasquez, like, hey, listen, buddy, how much money are you making as this maybe starter this year? Like, look around the league. Like, you can make eight, nine million bucks a year as a as a high leverage bullpen arm. Like, why don't you want to just really put all your effort into it and, and be the best reliever you possibly can be? But they've never had that opportunity yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that – because it's interesting you bring that up, right? Because it's always – um, coincidental sometimes that free agents in their walk year have these great years, right? And then they make a lot of money and then they go just be who they normally were before that. But with pitchers, 
and Velasquez in particular, you know, I think he would, I don't know if he can avoid what it is or, or correct what it is that makes him him. He's just a fireballer with very erratic command. And I, I don't know if he hasn't tried to improve his command uh, or maybe it's his approach. That's more of the problem that he pitches backwards sometimes, um, Frank. And, and if he, if again, if Brian Price and Joe Girardi could get him thinking a little differently. And, and as you said, put the, the, the dollar figure in his head as a, as a kind of a reward of what thinking differently might do. Maybe there's something to that. And you know, this, this, this is, this is make or break for him. So this has got to be it. All right. That's the end of our second segment. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. We'll be back after this. And we're back with our final segment of the Powder Blue podcast, 97.3 ESPN, sportstalkphilly.com. I'm Frank Close coming to you from Clearwater, Florida, along with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. And for our last segment today, I wanted to take a quick look at the outfield situation for the Phillies because we learned on Friday that Andrew McCutcheon will miss the start of the season now, the word from manager Joe Girardi is that he probably will be available sometime in April. But what do you do? As we saw in the past, getting out of the gate strong is important. So we have two two real questions to ask. What do you do in left field? And what do you do for a leadoff hitter? So why don't we start with that first question? What do you do in left field, Hunter? Vince Velasquez. <laughs> that is a that's a good question. I I I guess you're gonna maybe do you put Roman Quinn in in the outfield and have have it Harper Roman Quinn and, and Adam Hazley? Is that is that where we're going with this? Well, uh, what do you think, Jeff? Um, I'm not against. Uh, listen, anytime I can get Roman Quinn when he's healthy in the lineup, uh, I'm really happy about it. But you have a really valuable fourth outfielder in Jay Bruce and. Mm. You know, if you're facing a couple of righties and you don't have McCutcheon and you want to get a little power, remember when we talked about this lineup, the only person to hit 30 or more home runs last year was Bryce Harper. In a year in which there were a record number of home runs hit, the Phillies only have one guy hit 30 or more home runs. Jay is a great, you know, he's a great, he could start for, for teams. Um, but they're probably not going to be great if he's their best hitter, but I, I would like to try to get him in the lineup. Uh, especially against right-handed pitching and, and get a little more power surge in there. Well, that would seem like the natural uh, substitute for McCutcheon as it kind of was last year. Jay Bruce today also in the simulated game in left field. He has not really been throwing yet. So that seems to be the one thing. If you remember, he finished last year on the injured list and um, mm -hmm. how his arm uh, reacts is going to make all the difference. So if Jay Bruce is there, I think they have a, a pretty good replacement. But But if not, then what? Uh, well, you know what? I kind of like the idea of getting Roman in line because then you're a small ball team anyway, right? And so if you can get Roman and Hazley uh, in there, you might even be able to, you know, I would even put Roman at the top of the lineup, lead off. That's and, exactly what I was thinking. It literally yeah. just goes right into the spot of Andrew McCutcheon in left field and also when it comes to the batting order. Right. I mean, this is the kind of the one area where you like the depth as long as people are healthy. I mean, and if Roman is healthy and if Jay Bruce is healthy, uh, and then McCutcheon comes back, then you it gives Joe Girardi just so many options, not only you know in a starting lineup, maybe day after a night game, but also off his bench. So um, that, that that to me is is a it's one of this team's strengths, I think. 
Well, the issue is you said healthy and Roman Quinn in the same sentence. I know. That, that's, that's the problem. It is the problem. It's like Vince Velasquez in, you know, 10 pitch innings. It's just, you know, <laughs> not the, rising, the rising fastball gets murdered. I mean, that's just <laughs> what it is, right? It gets rocked. It does. Now, one thing to, to bring up is, is uh, and I don't think we've really talked about this yet because we've sort of written him off, but, but Nick Williams has been playing a lot this spring so far. Does Nick Williams have a chance to make this Phillies team if there's an open roster spot with Andrew McCutcheon out? <sighs> I hope not. I, I guess I'm just over Nick Williams. I feel like he's – he's Jeff has mentioned a lot of times that – New faces might be needed, and I feel like that's exactly how I feel with Nick Williams. Yeah, I don't mean. Listen, if if he's on the team, right, and um, he's behind those guys when they're when those other guys are healthy, not going to play much, and so it's not the worst thing in the world. But almost like to see some somebody younger just really come into form and, and maybe beat him out. Now I don't know, maybe who a that Mickey Moniac. <laughs> that entered my head, but man, I guess he's got pretty far yeah. to go. Yep. I don't know, maybe Alec Bomb, perhaps, just <laughs> just to have an extra bat, you know, and not worry about the position. Alec or, Bob. or I'm sorry, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. But maybe if you you had Alec, right, if he's able to make it, then you could play. If you needed to move Kingery to the outfield for a game or just an inning or, or whatsoever. Now that's a very very interesting question. So you know, I, I'm kind of wondering if. If it's a long-term situation, if McCutcheon really can't play for a while, then maybe you maybe maybe come May or or June, you consider doing something like that. But um, do you, do you mess with his development now, Hunter? If if you just just with Andrew McCutcheon out for a little bit? Yes, I think you do. And here's why: <laughs> I I think that when you look around the league, baseball is changing, and you see Ronald Acuna Jr. and you see Juan Soto, and you see these 19-year-old kids these 20 year old kids they come up and they play and I feel like that's one of the biggest knocks on this organization is they really hold out they really hold out and sometimes to an extent I think it's time for this organization to start throwing some of the kids into the fire and seeing if they could handle it and for him and also Spencer Howard who we didn't even mention when it came to that starting rotation who could possibly sneak in there at some point throughout the season it's time to to throw them in and see if they can make it work right but the context of our discussion makes that complicated because if Bomb makes the team Boom makes the team. I just want to call him Bomb, man. It's just you know Alec with the atomic bomb. Uh, you know, it would whatever. Be perfect if, if that was how he pronounced his name. Right. <laughs> if Boom makes the team, in the way we were talking about, as far as there's an extra spot because McCutcheon's on the DL, the question would then be: Is he going to play? Because if he's only making the team to fill that extra roster spot, and you've already got Segura and then Kingery and um, you know Didi. You can, to me, Alex got to play. I don't want him just to be a guy off the bench. Then you're not using him the way you were talking about, Hunter, as you saw with Juan Soto or Acuna or all the young stars. I mean, if he's on the roster, he's got because he earned it, then he's got to play every day. And I don't know if the Phillies are even ready to accommodate that at the moment, even though I, I would agree with you. At, at some point, if that's the case, if you have such a great spring, then you got to trade somebody and make the room for him. Yeah, that, that's fair. You want to hear something crazy that I just came to mind to think to make this work, which I don't want this to happen at all? You put Reese Hoskins back in left field, and then you got Bohm playing first base because he's a terrible third baseman uh, anyway. Here we go. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Thank God you're not managing. <laughs> 
We have just a minute left, so let's talk about the leadoff portion of Andrew McCutcheon for a second. So I, I know you mentioned Roman Quinn so far, but who besides Roman Quinn could possibly be your leadoff hitter? Could Scott Kingery be your leadoff hitter? They've batted him leadoff a couple times this spring. With that great three one nine uh, on base percentage, career <laughs> on base percentage, Scott Kingery leading leadoff hitter? No, thank you. <laughs> I think I think the idea with Kingery is what he could do more so than what he's done so far in the early going. I mean, if he's at second base and he's playing every day, might his bat come around to the point that he could do that? It's possible. What about Didi? He's uh, even worse with the on base percentage. I, I, yeah, I know, but Didi's it's just probably a, a four or five kind of guy. Yeah, I'm just spitballing. I mean, other than that, you got. I mean, I did, mean, did, did they try Gene Segura last year? Yeah, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, Segura well. maybe. Didn't well, then our well answer then. is we have no other option, so we got to get him back as quick as possible. And we'll see you over the next three weeks. We have three more weeks of Grapefruit League action before the Phillies head to Miami to face the Marlins to open the season. And that'll wrap up another edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. For Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody, I'm Frank Close. Have a wonderful week, everybody.